welcome to Surviving HG, the truth about plant medicine podcast. I'm your host, Canadian Tori Moline, and I can't wait to share with you all the brave untold stories of women who faced hyperemesis gravidarum and courageously chose to use plant medicine. These stories carry with them raw experiences, brave vulnerability, and ultimately the intuitive powers HG moms possess deep within them. This podcast marries two untalked about subjects, HG and the generations of women who are silenced due to the condition and the natural yet stigmatized powers of the cannabis plant. HG is the picture-perfect illness candidate for cannabis, but because it involves pregnancy and growing a baby, doctors in the medical world are reluctant to try it. Decades worth of propaganda still contributes to people's outlook on plant medicine government propaganda from the 20th century. In some places like the UK or Texas, for example, HG moms who choose to use cannabis out of survival to save them and their baby are persecuted. In other places, HG moms are given a hard time by social workers, family members and their partners, hospital staff, including their OB and midwife sometimes. HG moms deserve justice after centuries of suffering, after centuries of lack of education, resources, and community. HG moms deserve to know about plant medicine as an option. HG moms deserve to know there are other women fighting just like them and making the brave decision to go against societal norms to choose plant medicine. HG moms need this important education, resources, and community. These stories you are about to hear are from moms who bravely shared them in hopes of creating change for future HG generations. These stories deserve to be heard, protected, and shared. These are Hyperemesis gravidarum doesn't just happen to women in their 20s and their 30s. Hyperemesis gravidarum can happen to women of any age and any demographic as well. This next episode, uh, I speak with a mom who had hyperemesis gravidarum as a teen mom. She gave birth in 2018, which we know is a time where there was not a lot of resources about HG, not many doctors knowing about it either. This mom was never given the term hyperemesis gravidarum, and so we speak with her and we talk about how she got through that time in her life and how HG affected her physically and mentally. Uh, it's a really cool episode because I actually went to high school with Tatiana, and we met in the high school ID lineup. She was the first person I ever met in high school. Um, and we connected over the fact that we both had HG pregnancies. In fact, because she didn't know that she had HG, once she saw me post about my HG story, she began to put some puzzle pieces together. And so I'm so happy I was able to get her on this podcast and I'm so excited for you all to hear it. Here we go. All right. Welcome. So I have my friend Tatiana joining me today. Hi, Tatiana. Hello. Hey, so today is a very exciting time because this is our first recording of the first HG and Cannabis podcast. Um, I'm very excited to help women share their stories about their experience with something called hyperemesis gravidarum, um, a severe pregnancy illness affecting about 15% of women in the world today. Um, it's a condition where women cyclically vomit 
throughout pregnancy and sometimes afterwards and can have great impacts on um, society, hospitals, financials, and uh, own families. So uh, my friend Tatiana here, I'm so excited because we actually met in high school. And we, yeah, we reconnected just this past kind of year and a half after my HG pregnancy because I found out that she also went through HG herself and she went through it twice. Um, so we were able to bond over that a little bit. And um, here we are today and she's a guest on the podcast. So Tatiana, um, I'm going to start off, I guess, with how are you doing? Uh, what is What does your life look like today? Where are you living? How many kiddos do you have? So today I actually have two kids. I have a six-year-old little girl and a four-year-old little boy, and I'm living in Lethbridge. I absolutely love it here. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh yeah, no problem at all. Good to hear. So Lethbridge is just a couple hours south of where I am. I know Taddy used to live up here, but then you moved down there recently, right? I did. I actually um lived up in Bruce Grove when I first separated through HG with my daughter. And then I lived in Lethbridge when I separated through HG with my son. And honestly, it was night and day experience. Like, I would never wish this upon anybody at mm-hmm. all. <laughs> but it was definitely different having it the second time because I knew what to expect and I knew how to treat my body without having to go and pump it up with a whole bunch of prescriptions right right so I guess let's let's start with that first pregnancy and you were a little bit younger when you had your first child right I was I was fresh eight uh no fresh 19 years old I got pregnant at 19 and had her at 20 and yeah I knew nobody that was pregnant at the same time as me right and nobody that I knew knew what was going on with me they just thought I was basically dying (laughs) Right, right. Um, so really, so really. Yeah. Um, I guess let's go back to those. Let's go back to that first moment. I guess where you figured out you were pregnant. How long did it take? Um, in your situation for HG to kick in, how are you kind of feeling those first few weeks? Honestly, I'm not too sure when HG kicked in because I've always had like stomach issues. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was honestly irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> Mm. and like my periods were all wonky so I was like oh like whatever like it's just me but then I get started I started really getting sick daily and I ended up having to move well at the time we were living in BC and I had to move from BC because I couldn't work anymore because of how sick I was getting just in like the first couple weeks not even knowing that I was pregnant Mm -hmm. um yeah we had to move from BC to Edmonton and that's when I actually took the pregnancy test, found out that I was sick. Well, not sick. <laughs> found out that I was pregnant. And yeah, the sickness just came with the pregnancy. And everyone thought it was just me being me with my eating problems or eating right. disorder, whatever. Um, but yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> like It was my body trying to inform me like there's something wrong which clearly was hg because i was vomiting every day every single day to the point where when i got to four months 
my second term exactly. Um, I was 87 pounds and like all my bones were protruding out of my body. Mm -hmm. And I was taking all of this medication, like all of them, like it sucked. I did not like it to, um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. And nothing was working. So I even informed my doctor, like I took, I don't even know what they're called anymore. It was six years ago. Oh, no worries. I was going to say, like, did your doctor give you something to kind of help your nausea or vomiting at the beginning? And then, yeah, he gave me lots of like the stuff that you, you were given. I honestly don't know what they're called. Yeah. That, um, one started with an M. Oh, metonia perhaps. Yeah. And then I don't know why he prescribed me this, but he gave me T3s covered in coating. I remember you telling me that once upon a time. Wow. That was really scary. I didn't, I like, I took all of it, not the T3s. I took all of the, like the diclectin, the mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I took it all. I tried it all. It did not work. Like one bit, nothing worked. I can really and then that. he gave me the T3s covered in coating, which again, I have no clue why he gave that to me. And in my head, at the time I was questioning questioning it. So I was just like, okay. But then of course, at that time, you're so young and you're surrounded by no one who is helping you to understand or make sense of what's happening to you. Hey, quite young when you had your first HD pregnancy and the doctor was giving you these medications where you had a little bit of a feeling they weren't necessarily what was best for your body, but you couldn't really communicate that um, at that time. Hey, no, I was honestly so scared that just like CPS would come or just something bad would happen and they would take my baby away. Obviously we are really lucky and we live in a place where that's a lot. We're allowed to smoke it legally now, but at the time it wasn't legal. And I was horrified that I was going to get in trouble. Um, and that my baby wasn't going to come home to me, which nobody ever wants that to happen yeah that's um, um during so, your- oh sorry no you go ahead so yeah I just I secretly smoked well I didn't actually smoke with Mila I kind of had my fiance blow smoke in my face okay okay I believe yeah I was scared that like I don't know I know that me inhaling it probably would have done the same thing but I just, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> and of course, nobody really is during that uh, state of existence. Okay. So when your fiance or sorry, your um, partner blew the smoke in your face, did it actually relieve the puking like a little bit? It did a little. I was mostly like at that point of time, I wasn't working. I was constantly curled up in a ball. I was skin and bones. Like it was just, it was bad. Like I needed to have at least something like it had to go into my own system by like myself, mm-hmm. not by having someone blow it into my face. So it didn't actually work for me in the beginning because I wasn't ingesting it myself or consuming it myself. Um, but eventually I did start just taking like little puffs here or there because I thought, well, cancer patients can't eat. Mm-hmm. And what do they get given? They get given weed. So I'm like, well, maybe I should just take it for myself. And I know it probably sounds bad, but like experiment. Mm -hmm. Because I was basically experimenting with pharmaceuticals. Well, you were trying. So why not? 
You're trying to save yourself on the baby. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was, I wanted, like, obviously I want my daughter, I wanted my daughter to survive. But at that point, I needed to survive too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, so as the pregnancy kind of went on, you went, you got a little bit more comfortable with it. How did your, how did your partner feel once he, um, or I guess he was kind of helping you in the beginning. So it was pretty good the whole time. Like you, he, he was fully supportive of you. you I had his full support. He was uh, honestly so scared to lose me. Right. Like I was, I was, it was gross how skinny I was. He couldn't touch me without it hurting. Cause like I was just instantly bruised from my bones touching Like being on my skin, there was no fat. My daughter had took all the nutrients from my body Mm -hmm. and she was born perfectly healthy. She was born a little early, but that's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but like she was fine. Yeah. Her overall health has been extremely well. And honestly, I'm not, I don't know Mm -hmm. if I'm just biased. (laughs) I think she's extremely smart. I think she's very smart. Kate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he was always super supportive. He just wanted me to be alive. So awesome that we could live our life together, nice. our life together. Sorry. <laughs> um, when you were pregnant, did you have any foods that helped or that you were able to keep down or was most food pretty bad for you? Everything was bad for me. I couldn't keep anything down. I would have to go to the hospital at least once a week. Um, either Chase, my partner, or his mom would have to drive me to the hospital just to get IVs so that I could eat like a couple bites of a sandwich that they would give you or like drink some orange juice. But other than that, I wasn't able to eat for at least five months. Like wow. I would eat maybe snacks of like a cracker mm-hmm. or like a couple bites of a sandwich. And that was because I got the IVs, which had like the gravel and stuff in it. And I don't, I don't really know what else is in there, but yeah, it helped. And I was able to survive. That's right. And how did everyone else around you kind of handle your state of existence um, other than your partner? Um, Chase's mom was very scared because at the time we were living with his parents because again, I couldn't afford anything. He was paying for everything and his parents were just really sweet enough to let us stay at their home for free um so yeah they his mom was very scared because obviously she doesn't want her grandbaby to be her or her son's significant other to be hurt or anything um his dad was honestly (laughs) kind of tough on me but that's just him (laughs) it's tough love (laughs) okay that's okay i accepted it um, I didn't have any support from my family. They didn't understand. So it was just really me and Chase. He, I thought he was my only support. And, yes. <laughs> I'm so happy he was there for you. Thank you. Thank you. So HG is so tough to get through when you don't have all of your family fully there supporting you. No. Yeah. And they honestly, I think they thought I was like playing it up or faking it. And it's like, why would anybody fake? being sick for this long right guys as, as many sorry um and many of us uh kind of have met that as well or been faced with like oh like you mind over matter like you you you'll be okay like it's it's bad now but like it'll be okay and I just I I remember hearing that and just looking at the person and being like oh my goodness <laughs> 
please stop. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, so when you delivered your first baby, uh, did your puking stop when you delivered him or did it continue for a little bit? What was your experience with that? Like, um, I guess hyperemesis gravidarum following you into postpartum. Um, with Mila, uh, it did follow me a little bit. Like I could, I could eat more only because I, maybe I'm going to say seven months into my pregnancy. That's when I actually started smoking. And I told my doctor and he informed me that it's okay. Like I didn't have to hide anything. I just have to know the risks. And he even told me that there's not enough studies to be done to know all of the risks that could be ten- that could potentially happen to the babies. But the one thing that is known is that when you are in, in like having an intake of the smoke and when you hold your breath, like to like take it in, that's when your baby isn't getting air. And obviously that's not okay. So all he said was just take small take, like take small hoots, take yeah. small I don't know how to say it. And I've heard that, I've heard that as well um, about the the intake with like holding your breath and smoke. Yeah. Sometimes my little like rebuttal to that is like, okay, what about people swimming during that time? Like they're depriving their babies of oxygen. But like, I know what you mean. And I think that like smoke is not the best option available, but it's currently one of the only options available just because of like how well, it works with um, instant relief for HG. <laughs> exactly. It's instant. Because with my son, I, I knew what to do. Oh, yes. I that's right. Instantly what to do. I was like, okay, well, here comes the pukes. Here comes the HG. Like I knew it was going to come. And I, I prepared myself. Like I had a bong in my room. I would have yes. little, little hoots, little balls. And I would just blow it out my window. And then from there, that was like right when I woke up. Because as soon as I'd wake up, I'd feel like the punch of nausea. Like, no, you're not going to be good today. So I would literally roll over, pack myself a bowl, not even a full bowl, like the teeniest, tiniest bowl, Mm -hmm. have it. And then I would probably cough or puke with the teeniest, tiniest bit. And then from there, I was fine for the rest of the day. Wow. All I I had to do was just continue eating little by little by little, like not a lot. I would never overfill myself because I was very scared to vomit. Like Mm -hmm. I'm forever scared of vomiting now, (laughs) but um, with your your second, what, uh, what year was he born again? What year were you? Uh, 18. 2018. Ah, that's right. That's right. So then weed would have been legal here. Weed yeah. this here in 2017, I think, October 2017. Yeah. Um, and so it was good that you kind of knew or you recognized what was coming. Um, did So did HG, it set in pretty fast then with baby number two? Oh, gosh, yeah. It hit like, it was like basically as soon as I found out I was pregnant, my body was like, all right, now you know. Like, yeah, that was kind of my first, that was my first experience. It was like overnight. It was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like, why? What? <laughs> Did you have the same doctor for that experience? No, I didn't. And I actually didn't end up telling her because she was very against marijuana. Like she was mm-hmm. extremely against it. But at that point I wasn't scared or anything. I was like, well, you, this is Canada. You're not going to take my baby now because one, it's legal. 
And two, I know what I'm doing because my other baby's two years old and she's Mm -hmm. completely healthy. Yeah, you had the you kind of had like the confidence from your first time and realizing how bad of a state you were in and how much this plant that was like put on this earth helped you. And then for a doctor to challenge your own experience and own like authority over your body is just so frustrating. Very frustrating. Extremely frustrating. (laughs) So you kind of kept that to yourself. You didn't let her know. And was there ever like, did she ever like question it or was there ever any concern? No, no questions, no concerns. I honestly, Mateo is just, it was an easy pregnancy after like, I knew what I knew what to do exactly. Like I knew what my body needed. I knew like, don't drink water immediately in the morning or else you know what's going to happen. <laughs> like during, um, your, um, dr- during your second pregnancy, did you know anybody else? Oh, wait, did you have the name of HG yet? Did Were you told you had hyperemesis gravidarum? No, honestly, I didn't know until you. That's right. Okay. I knew I, I kind of figured that because like coming from Alberta and with my story as well, I wasn't told about hyperemesis gravidarum. And for you to have given birth even a couple years before that, of course, there was like literally you would have been digging even harder on the internet if you um if you did did you did you ever try and find out any information or look for other people who were similar to you at all um honestly no because I thought it was just me I honestly thought it was my um like my stomach problems and like how I just treated my body as a teenager Mm because I did have an eating disorder before so I was just like okay maybe maybe it's just me and I should have looked into it more but nobody in my family ever went through it. Or if they did, they went through it very silently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but nobody I, I ever known until you. Oh my you gosh. spoke about it. And I was just like, hey, like, <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> it's also okay. for me to hear you say that is soul crushing because for you to think that like you did that to yourself makes my heart hurt. Um, and for you to just like think that for such a long period of time and to not realize that it's an actual pregnancy condition is just such a result of our lack of education growing up like I can't believe that this was never taught to us or no mention of this like severe as they call it morning sickness right yeah for for every day and (laughs) that's crazy nobody in your family went through it hey you have you Mm. have never heard of it no not none of them they were all just like what's wrong with you why are you so skinny I'm like I don't like because I can't eat (laughs) Because I can't keep anything down. And that's such another topic as well is having to like exist in this body that is, for lack of a better term, I guess, skinny, but then have everyone else like kind of hate you for it. It's such a weird existence. It is. It honestly is. It's like I did not choose to be this size. If I could be bigger, that would be great. Yes, I felt that. I'm sure other people feel the same because the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like I'm very appreciative of my body now, and I'm like what it went through before. I I appreciate it, but had I have known that it wasn't my fault, that would have been great, just like mentally. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just you talking about it and voicing having the voice is amazing, and like I appreciate you for that. Thank you. Thank you for being on here with me talking about it today. <laughs> Always. 
Um, I was going to ask you uh, for your second baby there, Mateo, how was your postpartum experience with that? Um, any like HG symptoms in the couple months afterwards or any po- like any postpartum stuff to share? Yeah, honestly, um, I did notice like after I had Mateo, like uh, in the morning when I would wake up, I'd still feel very sick. Mm-hmm. Like I'd still feel basically like I was pregnant still, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, like I still felt extremely nauseous. And then I was just afraid to eat a lot of things because I didn't want it to come back up. And I knew how it felt to come back up. Um, that and then I went to a dentist and they informed me that my teeth were thinning because of how much I vomited. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And then I was informed that yeah, you're not supposed to brush your teeth immediately after you puke. Right. It would have been helpful. I feel that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, cool. That should be like in school for sure. <laughs> or I mean, and because HG isn't the only like vomiting syndrome out there, right? There's like there's cyclical vomiting. There's all these things out there. And I'm surprised dentists like don't have more education on vomiting and like how it affects your teeth. And because vomiting is such an involuntary bodily reaction yeah it's like it's really it's depressing how much they don't know and how much they kind of almost make you feel bad or shame you because they think you can do better when in reality what (laughs) what we were just trying to survive like I was I didn't know (laughs) there's no handbook on the game of life there was no social kind of winging it here (laughs) yeah there's no social media connecting like people with this stuff back then and I can't even imagine no there wasn't there really wasn't that's why like as soon as like TikTok and stuff started coming out the uncensored things that's when I started learning things because I was like whoa Mm -hmm. Google doesn't say that Google has nothing about that true did you ever try did you ever try and Google like cannabis and pregnancy ever and did you ever see the results that came up I found something once when I was pregnant with Mila. So this was like over six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and it said there was a, there was a study in Jamaica and there was a a group of moms that were given marijuana and then a group of moms that weren't given marijuana. And they like studied the babies, studied the moms, um, studied the babies when they were first born. And yeah, maybe some of the babies were born premature. Maybe some of them weren't, but that was also in both cases, like with moms that did smoke and moms that didn't smoke. And then uh, they came back in five years. And again, this was like over six years ago. So this is like, I'm digging deep in my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of this. Came, yeah, they came back in five years and they did like, they go, went to the kids that the moms were smoking and mm-hmm. I believe that they were slightly more intelligent. I'm not really sure. Or just slightly more advanced than the babies that the moms didn't smoke marijuana. Again, this was six years ago. I'm not really sure if I'm reading or remembering this right. No, but, no it does sound familiar. Yeah, but it opened my like it opened my eyes. And I was just like, hmm. Because then the study was just completely done. Like what did the FDA just not like the answer? So now they're just going to finish it because maybe these kids were more advanced because of marijuana. I think the claims were honestly that it had like no validity because it took place in Jamaica or something along those lines. I, and I think it, 
was a study that was like 12 years ago or so. Um, yeah, it was a hot yeah, minute ago. It was definitely only, it was the only um, study that could have probably comforted moms uh, 20, 20 and prior. And yeah. I, I remember seeing that myself, but then I remember seeing like all these people being like challenging it, but then it was the only thing I could kind of stick to in, in my gut and in my brain. And so I definitely remember that seeing that Jamaica study. <laughs> right. Like that was the only thing that I've ever seen. So I was just like, well, and the fact that I talked to my doctor and he was like, the only thing, like you're not buying it off the street. Like at the mo at the time I was growing it myself. Oh. Um, so it was not like I was just randomly getting anything from right. anyone. Homegrown um, is the best so, for sure. Exactly. So like I knew it was going into it. It's just like he just said, like the lack of oxygen when you cut it off to your baby when you're stop when you're holding in your smoke. That's the only like bad thing that's happening that we know of. Right. Right. Other than that, like my I'm children were healthy. They were born healthy. They were born early, but I'm also very small. And I don't think I can hold babies anyway. So that plays a huge part. For sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm a hundred pounds. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And did you, so you lost weight in your pregnancies. How much did you weigh like prior to your first baby? Um, high school, my heaviest weight was 120. Okay. Okay. Right. So you dropped so, a, a, a significant amount for sure though. I, I definitely did. By the time, like I had nice, beautiful round cheeks when yes. I was freshly graduated. And then by the time I was pregnant, my cheeks were like sunken in and I looked like a skeleton with a belly, like a little beach ball in her shirt. <laughs> I wish we I wish we were friends back then. <laughs> Me too. I wish we were just communicating. Yeah, it's funny what high school does when people kind of split off in all of the directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to tell our the listeners a little funny thing about me and Taddy is we actually met in the high school ID lineup because our last names have one letter difference. And so she was, was actually, yeah, she was the first person I actually ever met at the high school I went to on the very first day of high school. Um, when yep. I just didn't really know it, many people, it was pretty cool. So it was yeah. awesome. And then the graduating together. Oh yeah. Literally. We saw, saw each other throughout graduation because of our last names. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Walked the stage one by one. That's funny. I honestly, I think it was meant to be. Yeah, it's very interesting how we connected down the line. Well, mm-hmm. our time is running out a little bit here, Taddy, but thank you very much for coming on here today and sharing your story about your two hyperemesis gravidarum and pregnancy and postpartum experience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. HG moms are some of the bravest women I know. We were built from darkness and had to rise above. We were given little help, resources, or community by those in charge of our care, but we created it ourselves once we could unite through the internet and tell our stories, where we could tell the truth about plant medicine and surviving HG.